0: Wake up, America, before it's too late. The Steve Day Show. And greetings. Happy Monday. Welcome to the Steve Day Show here live and on demand on Blaze TV, radio and podcast. Steve Dace here alongside Todd Erzen and Aaron McIntyre. Hoping all of you had an absolutely great weekend. At the bottom of this hour, we will talk to our good friend Bob Vanderplotz, who is back after uh, some time away, next hour, Facebook will get to ask me anything. Looking forward to that. But I, I want to give you guys a brief update because it appears we are going to need your help. Uh, after how many years of toiling in the nefarious movie hits theaters two weeks from Friday. Two weeks from Friday. Hard to believe. April the 14th, two weeks from Friday. So just to give you guys a little bit of... Uh, uh, a little bit of how the decision was made for April the 14th. Uh, we decided to go with April 14th for um, uh, on the recommendation of Regal Cinemas, the largest theater co- company in the country. There are three major theater companies, Regal, AMC, and Cinemark. And they own the majority of theaters across the country, those three chains do. And Regal Cinemas told us that uh, if you go April 14th, There's one other movie coming out right now that weekend uh, from a studio. It's this uh, Nicolas Cage Renfield Dracula movie, but it's not tracking to do anything. So um, and you'll have three full weeks to prove yourselves in the theaters before it becomes Lord of the Flies with the summer movie season and the arrival of Guardians of the Galaxy the first week of May. So we made that decision in late January, finalized everything, and um, started, uh, you know, first of February with all of that anticipation, and then launched our marketing campaign on February the 14th. Here's what has happened since we made this decision. And you can only chuckle at this because you you can see what is happening here if you have eyes to see. So, from April, April 14th, April 21st, and April 28th, literally for the first time in all of Hollywood history, the studios are going to release now 12 movies during those three weeks. Twelve. And you should see. I mean, I'm I'm getting the comments from Bryce, our distribution guy. He is he's he's sending us back the comments he's getting from the theater chains across the country. They're like, we've never seen anything like this, ever. It's unprecedented. the 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 the, 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 the studios know these movies. Most of them are gonna uh, fizzle out. There's just not enough screens, and um, um, uh, and, and yet no one will move off the date. What, for example? One particularly egregious film is the Pope's Exorcist, which is not any good because Sony has been sitting on it for like two years. And when we launched our um, when we announced to the industry we were going to release on April the 14th, this is a major studio film and had no poster. It had no trailer. It had no marketing and it was scheduled to come out Easter weekend. Two weeks about two weeks after we announced, suddenly it moves to our week. We did a takeover of Twitter. The Pope's Exorcist did one, Did the exact same thing like two days later. Like literally it's just trolling us. Um, it has been strongly advocating uh, support from EWTN, the big Catholic network. Uh, Father Carlos Martins, we had on the show just a few weeks ago mm-hmm. from the Exorcist Files podcast. Um, I'm actually privy to a note that he wrote to EWTN. I've got it sitting in my inbox saying, I I don't want to endorse that film. It's got gore, four-letter words, and talking about the Pope's exorcist, and it's not accurate. The movie we really ought to be profiling on EWTN is nefarious. It's the most accurate portrayal of demonic activity I've ever seen. It's what it's truly like, and they did it all without a bunch of gore in four-letter words. We should be promoting that film. If nefarious sucked, if it was family camp, terrible, cheesy Christian movie, I promise you there would not be 12 movies suddenly coming out the last three weeks of April. I promise you. You're exactly right. This is open spiritual warfare. And the enemy knows now he can't stop the film. Tried to stop it from being made um, to the point of almost killing our directors with COVID. Did everything he could. Labor strikes, everything. It's happening. He can't stop it now. So now he's going to try to box it out. And two months ago, we were verklempt about having too many theaters. That we were being offered upwards of 2000 or more. And we're like, we're not sure we have the marketing budget for that. We don't want to do that big of a launch and we can't support it. And then it looks like, you know, we flopped. You'd, you'd, You'd actually rather go a little bit lower and then build up if you're a movie like ours. And Here's what's changed now. As of Friday, we, we were uh, when we launched, we were looking at 1,600 to 2,000 theaters. Right now, we're looking at about half of that. And a lot of theaters are holding back, even at this late date. That's unprecedented, too. A lot of theaters are unsure of which movies to choose. And this is the week that you've got to finally make a call, because this gets us to two weeks to release. So everybody's going to make a decision by the end of this week. The theater chain that is uniquely getting squeezed here is Cinemark. And, and let me say this, we wouldn't be where we are without Cinemark Theaters. They were the, they were the first to believe in the movie and thought that it absolutely had wide theatrical af- appeal. We would not be where we are without them. But the reason why they're getting uniquely squeezed is in terms of total number of theaters, they're the smallest of the big three. They have the least amount of flexibility. And so, you know, for years, you couldn't just buy the cable channels you wanted Because like four companies own them all and said to your cable provider. So you'd always call your cable company and get pissed off. Why am I paying for all these channels I don't watch? It wasn't their fault. Four companies basically owned every channel you'd want to see and told cable told your cable company they couldn't have the channels that people actually wanted unless they put on the air all the channels that people did not. So they had a certain amount of leverage with your cable companies. Now, that model eventually died, of course, and that's why we're all people like Aaron's generation are doing YouTube TV and picking and choosing the channels they want. You know, that's that's a new era. But that still applies in the movie industry. The studios are saying to theater chains like Cinemark, hey, if you take this uh, independent uh, uh nefarious movie maybe you won't get as many and you don't put um you know uh, the pope's exorcist on or this renfield on as many screens as we want then maybe when the movies that we do put out later this summer come out that you want um we'll give you fewer screens than we'll give your competitors and so this is now where you come in they need to hear from you Especially Cinemark, but really any of your local theater chains. This is the week, if you want the movie in your area, this is the week to make the call. Especially with Cinemark. Please be very respectful. We would not be where we are without them. No way. So, we are very, very grateful to the leadership they have shown the movie. It's not their fault. Hollywood is the enemy's uh, playground, doesn't want a movie with our value system to get into the theaters, particularly the way we tell the story in an uncheesy, unnaive, but very realistic setting that might actually impact people. On top of that, doesn't want to set the precedent that we can put movies out and go around the entire studio system and not have to play ball with them on any level. Not have to give any of these Spirit of the Age movie studios, Lionsgate, Universal, none of them, a cut of the money. Put it out ourselves. Doesn't want that either. Because at least, you know, if something like a Jesus revolution breaks massively, and it's a very good film and I'm happy for its success, but studio's gonna the left-wing uh, Spirit of the Age studio over there at Lionsgate is going to get its cut of that. The way we're doing it, they don't get any of it. Not only do they not get any of the money, they don't get any of the control, nothing. So they are uniquely attempting, I believe, the enemy is to stop our film, to box it out. So this is where I think they need to hear from the people. And if you want to make sure it is in your area or coming to your area, please, if you don't mind, if you've got a minute at some point today or any point this week, give your local theater a call. Or give theaters in areas where you don't even live a call. They do that to us all the time. Have, like, two gay guys in Delaware bombard a radio station. Fire the Christian, okay? When, you know, thinking no one will, you know, trace the call or, look like at the IP address. All right? And so your manager panics. Not that I have any experience with this, but I do. Okay? So yeah, if you want, I, I promise you, the movie will pay off your investment when you get a chance to see it here in a couple of weeks. So I've, I'm, I posted this on our Facebook page yesterday, heard from so many of you. I know I know they heard from a lot of you yesterday based on what I saw on my Facebook page. So thank you very much. But, but this is where they need all the encouragement that they can get because they are getting a ton of pressure right now from the enemy. Uh, uh, studios. From the studios. The studios, right? The studios. Yes. Not to carry this film. So... Thank you in advance to any of you that carve out any of your time at all to fight for the movie. I promise you, when you see it, you will realize why you had to fight for it, because it is absolutely worth it. And with that, let us get to Aaron's rundown of what happened while we were away. What happened
1: while we were away brought to you by Lockdown Dawn. The Wall Street Journal published a glowing piece about Georgia Governor Brian Kemp late last week. Contained within that op-ed is an account of when Kemp reopened his state back in 2020. Quote, that afternoon, Mr. Trump called Mr. Kemp and he was furious. Mr. Kemp recounts the conversation as follows: Trump said, look, the national media is all over me about letting you do this. And they're saying you don't meet whatever. Mr. Kemp replied, well, Mr. President, we sent your team everything and they knew what we were doing. You've been saying the whole pandemic you trust the governors because we're closest to the people. Just tell them you may not like what I'm doing, but you're trusting me because I'm the governor of Georgia. And leave it at that. I'll take the heat. Well, see what you can do, the president said. Hair salons aren't essential and bowling alleys, tattoo parlors aren't essential. Kemp replied, with all due respect, those are our people. They're the people that elected us. They're the people that are wondering who's fighting for them. We're fixing to lose them over this because they're about to lose everything. They're not just going to sit in their basement and lose everything they got over a virus. Mr. Trump publicly attacked Mr. Kemp. He went on the news at five o'clock and just absolutely trashed me. Then the local media is all over me. It was brutal. In completely unrelated news, Donald Trump was in Waco, Texas over the weekend where he had some revisionist history to share about COVID. We have
2: great Republican governors, actually, who did really much better, who shut down their states for a very short time or in some cases didn't shut them down at all. I look at South Carolina, South Dakota, Tennessee. I mean, we had some states that did a phenomenal job with no shutdowns. You know, I gave them the right not to shut down. Not everybody, you didn't have to shut down. But in the case of Florida, they unfortunately did shut it down. They shut down the beaches. They shut down everything. So now that people are finding out about what happened, they're saying, man, he's dropping like a rock. And I wonder why. But
1: He also tried to take a jab at Florida Governor Ron DeSantis.
2: But I saw him, so he came and he really wanted... I said, you can't win, can you? you can win. Sir, if you endorse me, I'll win. Please. Please, sir, endorse me.
1: Speaking of DeSantis, he went on Newsmax and opened up a little more about his stance on Ukraine. You also have to ask if they're constantly talking about this being as something that we have to have an open-ended blank check policy for. You want to weaken Putin, why don't you permit more
0: gas pipelines here in the United States? Why aren't we drilling for more oil here in the United States?
1: Moving on, at a time of great geopolitical tension, it's good to know our military is focusing on the things that matter. Here's Alex Wagner, Assistant Secretary of Air Force Manpower and
3: Reserve. You know, women don't really wear crew socks. I asked, well, what do they wear? And she responded, ankle socks. It had never occurred to me to order any other kind of socks than the kind that I was familiar with. Her suggestion had merit, and we ended up ordering half ankle and half crew socks. Of course, the socks were a hit. But what was telling was the demand for the ankle socks by both women and men was higher than for the crew socks, and substantially so. Our entire project was more effective because a woman on my team was comfortable sharing her perspective with a pretty opinionated male boss, and that I was open to that input. Intentionally building a diverse team and then creating an environment where everyone feels like their voices are valued and heard is not only the right thing to do, but it gets you better outcomes. The rest of the montage is basically just Romans 1. We'll begin with this from CNN. If
1: you're white and you've posted a GIF or meme of a black person to express a strong emotion, you may be guilty of wearing digital blackface, writes John Blake. In Florida, independent journalist Chris Nelson interviewed this dude at a protest against attempts to curb sexualization of children. Do you think it's okay for drag performers with some of the shows to perform with people under 18 in the audience? Um, I think, so, I think it's kind of for the family situation. Yes, that guy's stage name is first name Sodom, last name Eyes. Here's Nebraska State Senator Megan Hunt, who is definitely not all right. She's very upset the state legislature is moving forward with a bill that bans meatball surgery and chemical castration for minors because gender. Megan is so mad, in fact, that she's threatening to filibuster every bill if this one passes.
4: This bill harms me in an unforgivable way and this is a line that you don't cross with me. If you cross it today, you're staying on the other side of it because you have done irreparable harm and you're doing harm to the body and to Nebraska as well. Don't say hi to me in the hall. Don't ask me how my weekend was. Don't walk by my desk and ask me anything. Don't send me Christmas card. Take me off the list. You don't know me. We have no relationship And if you don't believe me, if you think I'm going to cool down and change my mind, you should believe me. No one in the world holds a grudge like me, and no one in the world cares less about being petty than me.
1: National Public Radio published a story late last week regarding World Athletics, that's the organization that governs most running sports and world records, banning dudes from competing against women. In the story, NPR said, quote, there's limited scientific evidence that men have a physical advantage over women in sports. After NPR got absolutely roasted for that, they came back with this correction. An earlier tweet incorrectly stated there is limited scientific evidence of physical advantage. Existing research shows that higher levels of testosterone do impact athletic performance, but there's limited research involving elite trans athletes in competition. Learning Chinese today, today's phrase is correction. You keep using that word, I do not think it means what you think it means. And that's what happened while we were away.
0: Aaron's montage brought to you by our friends over at Taiga Cooler. Spring is finally here, which means it's time to get back out into the sun when you're headed out you're going to need a great cooler and that's why you need to get a cooler from Tyga Cooler they're Tyga Coolers they're heavy duty built to last coolers that come in lots of colors and can be customized for personal or corporate gifts or events or even your own family best of all to keep the food and drinks really cool while looking cool as well. I've got a couple of different customized Tyga coolers at my house as well, including a really cool nefarious one that they did for me last year. Veteran-owned cooler company made right here in the USA, employing actual Americans. More importantly, always in stock. No supply chain issues here. So go to TygaCoolers.com. That's T-A-I-G-A get the jump on maybe you're thinking oh man it's in the midwest still kind of cold like 30 when i came in here this morning but you know what buying one of these coolers today will make you think it's warmer like you're gonna, it's one of those little moves right it's like it's why i love the christmas music the minute the calendar goes midnight on October 31st. It just makes it feel like Christmas, right? Buy one of those now. Even if it's not quite warm yet where you are, it'll make you feel like the warmth is on its way. Tigacoolers.com. You can go there and design one as well. Tigacoolers, T-A-I-G-A, Tigacoolers.com. Great gifts come with a lifetime warranty, 10% off with the discount code Steve at taigacoolers.com. All right, let's get to what is in the montage. We're going to talk more on the the Trump and DeSantis angle next segment with uh, our good friend uh, Bob Vanderplats. I I want to get to um, two individuals who are completely and absolutely ridiculous. One's a male. It's Alexander Wagner. That was his name, correct? I believe so. Yeah. All right. And another is a female, and because I want to make sure I pronounce this correctly, because if you say this name too fast, you'll step right into an unintentional, but completely on the mark, double entendre. Megan Hutt. Make Correct, that is her name? Yeah, you got it. All right, I want to make sure, because you never know, man. I mean, you completely... You blow right through that name. You see it too quickly. You anger a bunch of people and they're like, see you next Tuesday, brother. You know what I'm saying? So I want to make sure we said this one correctly. Megan Hunt. Hunt. All right. Um, Are they insane? Yes. Perhaps demonically possessed, if not inspired and provoked. Absolutely. you sense a buck coming on i do yeah because one's a coming but they're gonna win they're gonna win may have already won how many times do did you ever see a video for how many years 60 years the killing went on it's still going on in a lot of places around the country I'm sorry, 50 years. 50 years the killing went on of our children. Ritualistic. State institutionalized child sacrifice. Do you remember the last time one of the state legislators that you elected said, I'll shut down this entire chamber. We won't do anything. Veterans benefits health care for the elderly, won't recognize the Girl Scout troop that just won a national award, nothing. No funding for schools. We'll do nothing until we stop killing these children. Nothing. Maybe that's not your issue. Maybe you don't care. Maybe you're... Steve, I'm fiscally conservative and socially liberal. That's my stuff. Okay, cool. Maybe that's you. Maybe you're soulless. I mean, I, I take pride in driving soulless people away from this show, but maybe you're just a glutton for punishment and you have remained out of spite, which I completely respect. All right? Maybe that's you. Okay, cool. When was the last time someone said we're stopping this entire thing because of the amount of unconstitutional debt we are foisting on this and the next generation because of the debasement of our currency the disregard for balanced budget amendments and debt ceilings where have you ever seen that level of commitment Maybe you don't care about those issues. Maybe you're the person who thinks, I kind of care about those issues. But the reality is, if we don't have election integrity, no issue matters. I think that's a valid point. Sure. Okay. When was the last time you saw someone say, I will shut this entire chamber down until we make sure every voter is franchised properly? No one that is not constitutionally eligible to vote gets to. And we are we have a process in place to make sure we don't outsource our votes to third party corporate conglomerates off our own shores. Nope, not doing any of that. One man, one vote, all counted in a day and everybody verifies their identity before they vote. Once doing so, they can vote however the hell they want. You're an American. But you're going to do those things before you get to vote however the hell you want. And I will shut this entire thing down until that happens. Seen that happen? Seen that occur?
5: Not as much as I'd like to.
0: No. No. Don't recall that either. Here's another one. Maybe you're the person who's like, a nation that doesn't have sovereign borders isn't a nation. Not to mention, look at all the human trafficking. I just watched my colleague, Yako Boyan's uh, documentary just released last week. Just watched it last night about human trafficking called Sex Nation. And he made a direct link to the open border. And how much human trafficking occurs as a result of the open border to our South. Again, that's a... If, there, if, if you have a line in the sand and you want to draw it there... That's a that's a morally legitimate place to say this is my hill to die on, correct? Mm-hmm. Uh, but apparently it's nobody's hill to die on because you've ever seen anybody say, I will shut this entire thing down, filibuster it all, until we are serious about being a sovereign nation again. Does, have you seen that?
5: I know I saw when, what, Chip Roy and maybe 13 other people tried to do it in Congress at the beginning of this year. They were called names by most of the other Republicans.
0: That's (laughs) what I remember. Right, 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 right. I mean, Newt Gingrich, who authored an actual government shutdown and uh, authored an insurrection against the Republican speaker at the time, um, called them a bunch of uh, opportunists who were just only out for themselves. There was that. Yeah. We have a conversation recently about conviction.
5: We did. It was a good
0: one. And conviction is going to determine this. What is conviction? Conviction is the firm belief in your beliefs and values to the point that you will suffer no indignity or any indignity, I should say. You will suffer any indignity. That was a Freudian slip. That's what we actually call conviction. No indignity. <laughs> no inconvenience. Nothing. I'm loving my neighbors. I love myself. I'm standing for nothing. The actual definition is a willingness to suffer any indignity because of how convinced you are. Firmly convinced you are in the rightness of your beliefs and values. I'm letting that waffle in the air simmer for a minute. Alexander Wagner is a man of great conviction. Now, his conviction may be in getting public affirmation for the stupidest of of beliefs and reasons, but that's a conviction nevertheless to stand there. Did you, did you see the sincerity from which he was speaking? He really believed he was doing a service to humanity. What do we got? How many more there's, I went and looked this morning on the internet. There's 25. if You count both the Catholic and Protestant schools. There are 25 Christian schools in the state of Vermont. 25. That's one of them just got one of them just got banned yeah. from athletic competition, which leaves the other 24. And that's a lot of schools in a state that size. That's a lot. Mhm. How many of those other 24 have have decided to take a stand with their brethren?
5: I also did a web search. I found none.
0: None. Remember that one public school the shop teacher was it or the science teacher? who walked out of the the big high school because he just said, I just, I I have to support. No, you you know why you don't remember it? That didn't happen either. Nobody did. Nobody did. So you will lose. Cite all the constitutional provisions you want. Get as misty-eyed when the national anthem lights up a room all you want. It won't make a difference against any of that. Laugh at that, mock at that, understand you used to have that. We used to be that. Now Goliath sits in the Valley of Elah, mocking, trolling, blaspheming. But it's okay. We're going to run it back with an octogenarian who's just going to completely lie about all the mistakes he made that wrecked 10,000 small businesses that will never return. And at least one of you right now is getting ready to fire off an angry email at me for telling you that truth yet again. Here is me not caring any more than I didn't care when you sent it before. Why? Because I actually have some convictions. I'm willing to lose it all if I think I'm right. I'll rub this show down to the nub, man. The very last listener left and won't change at all, because I know I'm right. That's the best we have. One Karen in a deep red state is willing to shut the entire government down. That's all right, we got red hats and rallies. We got those, so that's great. Back here on the Steve Day Show. And of course, you can see things are still not trending in the most encouraging of directions. I was listening to a presentation from an economic financial strategist that a good buddy of mine sent me with his Bitcoin forecast. I was watching that this morning. And he's like, Listen, man, I am absolutely telling all my job is to warn my clients when a storm is coming. It's coming. The storm is absolutely coming, he said. So if you agree and you just want to make sure you're ready just in case, get a hold of our friends at My Patriot Supply. Save $200 per kit right now, $200 off per kit, their three-month emergency food kit. That's breakfast, lunch, dinner, even drinks and snacks, the full complement of the 2,000-plus calories per day that you need, and free shipping as well. And free shipping as well when you go to mypatriotsupply.com. Stays good for well over 20 years with proper storage. Mypatriotsupply.com. $200 off each kit at mypatriotsupply.com. Let's welcome back in our good friend Bob Vanderplatz. Good to see you, man. Good to be seen. Glad to be here. All right. Are you settled I, back I in now here? I the
6: quarter button up. That's uh, looks Did you awesome. like that? I really do. The, does the logo look a little
0: familiar to you? Yeah, it
6: looks very familiar. It's kind of my welcome back. Is yes. that what it is?
0: This is an absolute attempt to pander. We are now in campaign <laughs> season, so I am not about pandering to you. Exactly. Yes, indeed. And so last week we talked about, or maybe it was a couple of weeks ago here on the show, that uh, with the launch of DeSantis' book, um, uh, Trump launching, hit full bore his campaign. It just seemed like things were... You got Robert F. Kennedy Jr. talking about going to New Hampshire, talking about challenging Joe Biden. So this was two weeks ago while you were gone. It just seemed like this thing was officially, unofficially kind of now underway, mm-hmm. right? And yesterday, uh, the former president, Donald Trump, had a rally in Waco, Texas. Incredible crowd. I want to... I've seen estimates anywhere from ten to 15,000 mm-hmm. people showed up at this event. Uh, and, and you can tell that there, the energy level there is is actually stronger than it was even a couple of years ago. Um, and he looked very relaxed. His messaging the last few weeks going back to his speech at CPAC has been absolutely on point. Now, we could argue if it's a little intellectually disingenuous because he's running as if he was never a president. Like he's not running on his record. These, I mean, he's this is this is 2016 Donald Trump, in, including the level of energy, but like total like I never was president before, so there's no record on how many of these promises I kept or to what degree ever before. Okay, but he is clearly on message with what people want to hear, and uh, the crowd was into it on Saturday. A lot of cheering, with one notable exception watch this
2: so he came and he really wanted i said you can't win can you how he can win sir if you endorse me i'll win please please sir endorse me and i said all right let's give it a shot because honestly the secretary of agriculture
0: so this is him talking about who did well he did well with covid and everything else tries to mock desantis you hear there's a few giggles there but that that crowd was really silent. There were several conservative media people who are pretty pro-Trump, including our own colleague, Mark Levin, who I saw come out after that clip and say, nobody wants to hear that. Yeah. All right, let the best man win. Run on who would do the best job as president. Destroy each other on, on records. All you want. Fine. Okay. But the personal attacks, there, there, no one wants any market in that. And 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 I can see beyond just you know Trump's own ego which is you know prodigious Ron DeSantis has the highest net favorables of any elected Republican in office in America right, right now. So the 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 traditional political plan would be when you run it against somebody whose favorables are higher than yours you got to bring those favorables down sure right um, there was a, a a polling firm that came out over the weekend doing some polling of New Hampshire and Iowa, which I always tell our audience every time we do one of these, The only polling that matters is what the people in Iowa and New Hampshire think, because if you can't, if you're not in that state or able to influence the people in those states, your opinion's just irrelevant because they're going to think and see these people and vote on them before anybody else does. Mm -hmm. And it did show Ron DeSantis running a lot stronger than um, what is happening in the national polling. But there is no question that Trump has has done very well in the national polling in the last couple of weeks as well. So you guys are getting your leadership summit ready. The candidates are are on the call. We want to be there, right? Um, And this will be the the year leading up to cattle call of the candidates at the Leadership Summit this summer. You've already met with several. Kind of give our audience now your big picture view of where you think things are as we head now into the start of this race. Well, I think a couple of things. Let me piggyback on some of the things you
6: talked about with President Trump. One is, it's it's only common sense that the energy is a lot higher right now than it was in 2020. They see Joe Biden, they see Kamala Harris, they see the disaster on every front. There's going to be a higher energy. And you miss something when it was really good. Now you want it back. And so there's going to be an energy for Donald Trump. Two is, when he mocks Ron DeSantis, and this was right away even before the 20... Uh, 22 midterms when he said to sanctimonious when he came out of the gate with I wonder how people are going to respond and do a focus group on to sanctimonious. People didn't want to hear it. Uh, our base responded to me quickly said like we can't take another four years of that. We're exhausted by that. I don't think that works for him at all. However, where I see things standing, there's gonna be a lot of candidates running. As a matter of fact, candidates that you've never even heard of who are going to be running in the 2024 race and some of them may be I want to elevate my name ID. I want to try to sell a product. I mm-hmm. want to do something. But I'm running for president. Why? I saw Huckabee got a Fox TV show out of this deal. Mm-hmm. You know, I saw others got elevated out of this thing. And there's others who may want to be running because I want to be vice president. I want to be vice president to Trump or DeSantis or to somebody else. Or a certain cabinet yeah. posts. And others are saying, you know what? I think there's going to be a lane for me when Trump takes on DeSantis. DeSantis takes on Trump. There's going to be a lane for me to be elevated to become the nominee. What I can tell you about Iowa, and I so agree with you, Steve, we've seen these national polls year after year, caucus cycle after caucus cycle, and they're just completely out of touch with reality on the ground. What you're seeing in Iowa with the latest poll is not only is it good for DeSantis. DeSantis has got high favorables. He's doing exceptional well. Matter of fact, he's beating Trump right now in the state of Iowa. But it also shows an appetite of Iowa and saying we're interested in somebody else. Uh, we're interested in an alternative. So for Trump, you've got to win this base back. Uh, there's even the people wearing the mega hats, the mega rallies who are saying, I'm not sure he's the guy to run, though, in 2024. You now have to win those people back. And I would argue for President Trump, if I was con- uh, consulting him, doing a rally in Waco, Texas and getting 15, 20,000 people, whatever it is, as is a great show. But you need to win the people who are attending, say, the Family Leadership Summit. You need to get that base back. Those are the influencers. The people are going to go to work for you. And so I see it wide open. I think this would be a a potential to be a phenomenal race and phenomenal conversation with those that we have in the race and to see if people will coalesce early or if they won't coalesce at all.
0: A big part of Iowa is the organizational aspect. Mm -hmm. And I mean, I, I looked at the team that Trump announced about a month ago. I wouldn't hire any of those people. But, but... Um, some of the key assets that we were able to put on the ground at the start of the cruise campaign, I think of our uh, mutual friend Brian English. Sure. The Cruz campaign hired him directly on my recommendation. And Brian built maybe the most impressive grassroots campaign we've ever seen in Iowa, like ever in the history of like Iowa politics and turned out more voters than uh, anybody ever has. Well, he's not even living here now. Mm -hmm. And so I, I I think if we were, I I think Trump's strengths and weaknesses are pretty well documented. I I don't believe Trump needs a great organization because he's a former president. He, he has, he won this state twice, turned it red. All right. Mm -hmm. So I don't think he requires the organization that Ron DeSantis will require as a first time candidate. I think Ron DeSantis will have to win the organizational battle to win the caucuses on caucus night. And I do think one of the unique challenges he's going to have is there's not a lot of like if they called me up next week and in 2016, lots of candidates called and asked me. Ben Carson called and asked me whom I should hire. They should hire. So did Donald Trump. All right. I gave Donald Trump uh, uh, the name of our mutual friend, Chuck, Mm -hmm. whom he hired. I gave Ben Carson. In the name Ryan Rhodes, whom he hired. Okay, you know I I don't know if DeSantis called me up. I don't know that I've instantly got that. Ryan Rose doesn't live here anymore. Chuck doesn't live here anymore. Sure. I, I don't know who are the three or four names of people that I would instantly say to their folks that's absolutely who to go and get to organize our state because he is going to have to organize it better than I think Donald Trump has to. Yeah. Well, there's
6: no doubt. And there's some new people who have emerged. There's uh, Sarah Craig with Governor Reynolds. Mm-hmm. If they could get a Sarah Craig to run their campaign in Iowa, that would be a home run for them. What DeSantis has done by bringing on, say, Jeff Rowe, David Polianski, others involved with the Cruz campaign, I believe Jason Johnson as well. They, they are the beneficiary of what guys like Brian English and you did mm-hmm. in the Ted Cruz campaign. So that benefits them. The one good hire that Trump has made, though, and I, I don't, forgive me if I don't know the person's name, but it is Brenna Byrd, who won the attorney general's race, ousted the longest serving Democrat in our nation's history as Attorney General Tom Miller, but they did bring on Brenna Byrd's campaign manager. That's going to be a key win for them because that was a 2022 organizational effort. So, but there's no doubt the Iowa caucuses, you can have the biggest rallies you want. You can have the rope lines, you can have the motor cage, you can have all that stuff. The key's going to be on caucus night do you have the organization to turn that into votes? And if you have the organization, as Ted Cruz, Mike Huckabee, Rick Santorum would tell you, you're gonna fare very well. If you don't have the organization, Mitt Romney, John McCain, Donald Trump will say, you're not gonna turn out very well.
0: There's a lot that will happen the next 10 months um, that will determine what we think in a given time will be the outcome of these two uh, events 10 months from now in, in New Hampshire and Iowa. But I think what won't change, provided, and and there's going to be some qualifiers, provided, well, something really basic. Casey DeSantis doesn't have a, um, a reoccurrence of cancer, mm-hmm. which, you know, un- unfortunately can happen to people who get it once, right? mm mm-hmm. um, they don't find a federal. They can get federal judges to say almost anything they want these days. They don't get a federal judge to say Donald Trump unconstitutionally, uh, not constitutionally eligible to run. And it takes how many months to try to adjudicate that? Maybe he mm-hmm. doesn't get on the. I could see them trying something like that. You could probably see them trying stuff sure. like that. Okay. So these are things we right now cannot foresee that would impact what I'm about to say. Those things notwithstanding, the path to get to this point, I think, is still very unknown and mired with lots of developments and things we will see unfold over the next 10 months. But I really believe the meta environment, barring those extraordinary circumstances that I just mentioned, is already determined. I I think Ron DeSantis has to win Iowa or New Hampshire because I don't believe he has any chance to win South Carolina. I, I think that um, the, 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 the Cheeto Jesus saves wings of the Southern Baptist convention and the Pentecostal church will put an, are already have a firewall there. Never, I mean, that's why, and Trump knows that. That's why he made his campaign announcement there, mm-hmm. right? With the governor and Lindsey Graham. That's his firewall is there. Okay. Trump's winning there provided he's healthy and still on the ballot. He's winning that state. If you're Ron DeSantis, you have to win. I think one of the first two, Iowa, New Hampshire, if you lose them both and you go down to South Carolina and run into that firewall, you're over three. I think you're out. OK, but if he wins those first two, I actually think it's the reverse of the cruise race. There is no drudge report. You know, remember what I said I learned from the cruise campaign. If you don't have Fox, Drudge and Rush, you can't win. It doesn't matter how good your candidate is, how much money you raise, what your organization is. And, and, and Trump had all three of those. Well, Rush has obviously passed away. Drudge is, has lost all his credibility on the right and nothing has really replaced Drudge as the singular website that conservatives go to to get news. And I think it's pretty obvious that, that Fox is going to tilt DeSantis based on what we saw after the midterm elections. Mm-hmm. And so if DeSantis can survive early and win one of these two states, when we get to Super Tuesday and beyond, he's going to raise a lot more money than Trump. We're already seeing that. I, he's actually better positioned to win the air war, I think, if it's a longer drawn out to me, I think Trump is um, George Foreman back coming out of retirement. Still a very formidable foe, fo- became heavyweight champion of the world at what, 50? Okay. But he's standing in the ring there throwing haymakers. He doesn't have the, he, he doesn't have the, the, he can't dance around for 12 rounds with someone who's 20 years younger in the ring. And I think Trump needs to knock him out early. Because I think the longer this goes, the other in, the organizational institutional advantages that DeSantis will have will play to him the f- the further we get into the field. Your thoughts?
6: Well, that's why you're seeing at the rally already, where he's he's testing you know him taking on DeSantis and the crowd's reaction is basically saying we're not ready for that. We love DeSantis and what he's doing as governor of Florida, and so they're open for him to be president. But I do agree with you, Steve. Governor DeSantis. Or if it's somebody else that rises up because of other situations that we can't foresee right now. But you have to stop Trump, in my opinion, in Iowa. If you stop him in Iowa, I think you have a shot at stopping him enough, in New Hampshire. And then you're right. Then I think it's game on to the nomination. And who now has the infrastructure and the resources to go full tilt? But I think if you stop him in Iowa, and especially if you go two for two in New Hampshire... Uh, I think the likelihood of having a different nominee than Donald Trump is very high.
0: Well, no one has ever won Iowa and New Hampshire in either party and not been the nominee. Right. That has never occurred. So yeah.
6: so I think, I think Iowa becomes more crucial than ever right now. I think our family leadership, summit, which will be the biggest stage in the, you know, early on in the process, is going to be a determining factor. Um, when people call me about, I want to meet with you and I'm running for president, it's not that they want to meet with me so much.
0: They, they want, want access they, to your base. They, they,
6: they want access to the base. Yeah. They know you got 2,700 churches, 2,400 pastors, a lot of other assets that you can bring to the table. They want the organization because that's what the Iowa caucuses are. Have you heard from Trump or any of his people at all? I've heard from some of his people. I've not heard from him directly. Do you think he's going to come to
0: the leadership summit?
6: You know, I don't know. The last person I talked to that was close to Trump said uh, he was definitely going to encourage him to do that. One is uh, we gave him the first stage. Uh, at the leadership summit.
0: Oh, believe me, it, I yeah, I remember well. <laughs> It'd yes. be
6: one that I think he, he would want to come back to and remind people why you want to stick with him. If he doesn't come back, I think what he's saying is that I'm giving DeSantis and all the others free reign to this organizational apparatus, which I don't think he wants to do.
0: I, I mean, I I would come back if I were him just to say, Remember when I told Hillary Clinton right to her face that I was going to appoint justices that overturned Roe v. Wade? Exactly. And I did it. I mean maybe that's all I say. Frankly, yep. maybe that's all I freaking say. Yeah. Now that I think about it, that's actually yeah. kind of smart. Thing, maybe that's all I say and I just walk off I just yeah. drop the mic like a minion, okay? Yep. And walk off the stage to the applause. Maybe I just fly all the way here just to say that.
6: Well, what we know in leadership, we also know in campaigns, half of the battle is showing up. Mm-hmm. And you get rewarded for showing up. And
0: so we'll see if he does or not. Good to see you, brother. Thank you. Good to see you. God you, bless. D- dude, that'd be pretty badass if he did that, don't you think? Yeah, just, just came all the way. And that's all he said and then walked off. Well, Even I would be like, okay, yeah. that's freaking cool. Well, he's got right. a lot. Of, he could say
6: embassy to Jerusalem. He could, you know, there's a lot of things he could point to. So that's why I'd say I wouldn't run from it.
0: I'd run to it. All right. Good to see you. Thank all you. Right. God bless. All right. So coming up next hour, real quick, what do you guys think of my idea? Trump just comes to the summit just to say. I appointed the justices that overturn Roe, and nothing else We have a lot of ideas off.
5: for Trump. Uh, he has not. He doesn't have the self-control to come here and just do that. It. It's never going to happen.
0: I, I, think, I think he could conceivably end it right there if he did something like that. That's how I think how, how powerful I think something like that would be.
5: And again, we've said that about a lot of things he could do, and he won't do. Could reopen
0: the country. <laughs> could have fired Fauci. Right. Okay. All right. We'll come back. Hour two is next, and you'll get to ask me anything. Stay tuned. back here with hour two live and on demand on blaze tv radio and podcast i'm steve dace he's totters and he's aaron mcintyre let us know what you think about what we think via the stevedace.com inbox steve at stevedace.com is the email address that's d-e-a-c-e like us on facebook me we and gab follow me at Steve Dace show on twitter Get her Instagram and TikTok. And you can find me over on Truth Social as well, at Real Steve Dace. And then don't forget, if you're a podcast listener, please let us know um, how much you dig the show. Leave us a five-star review. Hit subscribe or follow if that's what's provided on your podcast platform of choice. And thank you to the thousands of you that have done those things for us already. We appreciate each and every one. So thank you to each and every one of you that have done those already. Uh, some breaking news, um, I was just reading about this during the break. Uh, there has been a shooting at a Christian school in Nashville, Tennessee. My understanding, Todd, three elementary school children were taken to the hospital and died of gunshot wounds while there, correct? Yes. So, that's just... This is real evil, real evil. It's not funny, ha, 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 own the libs, ha, 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 uh, look at the hypocrites. uh, They fly planes while they go to their global warming conference. I mean, all the stuff that we have done for decades. And I've been on the producer end of that. I've produced some of that content. Before that, before that, I was a consumer of said content. It is <laughs> wholly inadequate. Wholly inadequate for the threat level we are up against. This time an hour ago, we showed you video of a woman in a state that there is a better chance you could identify as a cockroach get elected statewide in Nebraska than a Democrat. And yet she is willing to shut the entire state government down so that we can butcher and mutilate children's genitals. We have nothing close to that level of conviction. Nothing. I'm guessing if you're in Nebraska, there was a better chance that your pastor told you about how they weren't racist during the Uh, mostly peaceful riots of 2020 than about the Christian school in Vermont that just got kicked out of the athletic association for daring to stand against insanity. And the reason why I can guess that if you go to church in Nebraska, because I could guess that if you go to church literally anywhere in any state in the United States, far more likely you heard your pastor's uh, thoughts on I'm not a racist and nothing on the actual persecution and of your, of your brethren that's probably true anywhere you go in america and now we're sitting here and it's palm sunday this sunday correct it is yeah we're in a holy time and in nashville tennessee there are three parent three sets of parents that are going to remember this for the rest of their lives when they had to bury their children Because who knows what the motivation for the shooting was, but we certainly know what the source was. Darkness. Oh, we'll call it mental illness or something probably, or try to, I'm not sure, maybe that's one of its manifestations, but we know what the true source is. As it has been for all of these. We have some good questions this week. We
5: actually, this was best in a while.
0: Good. Let's get to ask me anything then, our Facebook followers. You got to ask the questions this week. Todd has selected them. I have not seen any of them. Although my understanding is my wife did make a request to you that one of these questions get included into the lineup.
5: And I heeded that request. Okay.
0: All right. Well, good man. It's Thank a you. Good,
5: and it's it was a good one. It, okay. It's a good question. You'll like it. I did. Right.
0: Aaron, you have said questions, right?
1: I do indeed. All
0: right, let us begin.
1: We'll begin with the five-star review questions. Uh, We'll start with this one. My name is Ethan, and I absolutely love your show. I drive for FedEx, so I listen to your show every day. My question is this. I'm 25 years old. I absolutely loved the first hour of the show, but I find myself conflicted. Am I right for the anger I feel for the generations before me? I'm still pretty sure, pretty young, and I don't have a lot of life experience. The things that past generations are letting happen absolutely enrages me. Even in the small town I live in, it's hard to get the Christian men here to act on their beliefs. My father stood up against the school board here, most of whom are proclaimed Christian men, when he was threatened with being fired after handing out shirts with Bible verses on the back to his high school basketball team. Most of the men on the school board agreed with him, but said it's as far as they would go. Uh, Simple, I agree with you, but what can we do kind of response. I know that anger is permitted to us, but only as righteous anger. I want to say that this anger is righteous for the passive men here, but I'm not sure exactly how to act on it. I tend to have a really short fuse and have a hard time controlling that anger. What do I say to them, and in what way? I sometimes feel as if I sense... Uh, or I, I sometimes feel as if uh, I sense I'm so young and inexperienced.
0: So there was um, there was once a generation. Who sent this note, by the way? This when, was Ethan. Ethan, Ethan. There was once a generation of of Israelites who followed Moses out into the wilderness and out into the desert and watched God perform great miracles. To deliver them, to protect them, to provide for them, on more than one occasion, in fact. So they had they had seen physical manifestations
5: every day. Pillar of smoke, pillar of fire,
0: uh, manna from heaven. Yes. Got, they got up in the morning, man food, literally, yeah, on the ground, awaiting a harvest on a daily basis. Okay, um, except for the Sabbath, of course, and. They saw physical manifestations, not just listening to testimonies from people or archaeological confirmation of the integrity of the, of the, of the, of the the scriptures, historicity, the stuff that we rely on today, physical manifestations of the sovereignty of God. And they came to the border of the land that God had promised them. They decided to send in a few spies, one from each tribe, just to scout the land. Ten came back and said, ten of the twelve came back and said, we're toast. We have that same God we watched give us quail, manna, water from a rock, all that other stuff we saw, Uh, the parting of seas, um, all that stuff we saw has no chance against these uh, these giant armadas here and uh, these... uh, Uh, these pagan lands, which of course were all inferior to the great armada of Egypt, the most powerful nation on the earth that they had just watched God subdue with plagues and everything else. But now suddenly the Edomites and the Hittites were just going to be too big of an ask for Jehovah. One more trip around the mountain, 40 years. Imagine you were in that generation You want to talk about being generationally torn? Imagine you're their children. Knowing you are not permitted to go into the land because of your parents' unfaithfulness. So you will toil for how many years circling them out? And then, but your children are coming to you like angry. They're pretty ticked off probably at their grandparents thinking, are you kidding me? And you're kind of caught between. Think about that as a generational conundrum. You loved your parents. Wouldn't be here without them. And the commandment says to honor your father and mother, right? And yet, why are you toiling in this desert and circling the mountain over and over and over again? Because of them. And the younger generation, who doesn't quite have the emotional affinity for them that you do, they're a lot angrier. Why do I bring this up? whom among any of those three generations, the unfaithful one, the one caught in the middle, or the younger one who thinks that it's zealous and knows better, whom among any of those generations was sinless, had nothing nothing that required going to the tabernacle to sacrifice for? That would be none of that. Zero. Zero. So on one hand... I don't think there's anything wrong at all with being upset at what previous generations permitted and passed on. This is, though, where what is righteous indignation and sinning in my anger? You need to start. And I do. I need to do this too. start with humility. We're sinners, too. We're sinners, too. our grandparents the boomer generation uh, they didn't post revenge porn of their high school girlfriends on uh, on the on snapchat for everybody to see our generation your generation does that see what i'm saying
5: mm-hmm.
0: i mean the idea that there's a singular generation here that just tiptoes between the raindrops and has it all figured out not true so does that anger of what previous generations permitted and didn't oppose. Does it spur you to humility? And a lot of people think humility is a temperament. Notice that a lot of the things that we think matter are actually temperaments and not truths. In other words, how does the way you live something out make me comfortable? Is basically what we, When we talk about temperament, that's what we basically mean. Is do you put me on edge? Let's talk about temperament for a second while we're here. John the Baptist. You're a whore, ma'am. Stop sleeping with your brother's brother. King, she's a whore. Screaming this out in the streets. Just screaming it at the king. Out in the streets, man. Broad daylight. And the Lord called him the greatest of the prophets. And Jesus said, no man born of women has been more blessed than he how you like those temperaments? That's a life first for you. Yes, it is. Now, that doesn't mean, by the way, go out of your way. Because the same John the Baptist that yelled in the streets also said to the Lord, I am not fit to tie his sandals. See, we're focused on the temperament. And if the temperament makes us feel comfortable, then it must be of God. God doesn't care about your temp doesn't care about temperaments. He cares about truth. And the same John the Baptist that told the truth in the streets, bluntly and provocatively, is the same one that knelt to the Lord and said, I'm not fit to tie his sandals. Different temperaments, right? Same truth? Mm-hmm. Same truth. So, back to your question, Ethan. Does your anger at what your father's generation did, leaving him hanging, does it spur you to bitterness? See, that's humility. Humility is not a temperament. Or does it spur you to, how do we not make these mistakes? Lord, where, where did the previous generation fail? And how can we be the generation that doesn't follow? Because therefore, by the grace of God, go I. Moses didn't enter the promised land either. The same Moses who is beyond, who gets, who begins by begging God not to smite the people to then almost like, I can't, I'm just so sick of these people. And yet when God says, I need you to speak to the rock now, you struck the rock to get water before. Now I need you to speak to the rock. Did Moses do it? Nope. He had direct communion with God. He still disobeyed, so he didn't go to the, he didn't get into the Holy land, to the Holy Land either. He didn't go to the promised land either. Each generation, you know, I've told my kids from the moment they could think for themselves, learn from mom and dad's mistakes. You're going to see them all. You're going to live in our home for at least 18 years. You're going to see all our mistakes. Remember them, catalog them, learn from them, and then go out and make your own mistakes. Make whole new mistakes. Because you're going to make mistakes. Just don't make ours. Learn from our mistakes. Learn from the mistakes of previous generations. Go make new mistakes. But do not presume you won't make any mistakes. Because we're sinners too. Next question.
1: This one is from another five-star reviewer. Uh, This is from uh, G. Clef Ginger, who says, Many times I've asked why God did not have Ted Cruz win. He postulated that you may have been in his administration during this Evergreen episode that we ran last Wednesday. So we would not have had you with this great show, the many books that are page turners, and this wake-up call about the spirit of the age nefarious. Who knows if these would have happened had you gone on a different path? But I am all the better today.
0: Well, thank you for saying that. And this is why Romans 8 is my favorite part of Scripture. I think it is the most soaring prose, in my opinion, in the entirety of Scripture. And it comes from what I think is the greatest um, theological treatise that's ever been written in the history of the human species, the book of Romans. And if you go... As Paul talks about, nothing separates us from the love of Christ. And all things work together for the glory of God and for those called according to his purposes. This is actually modeled in the one book in the Bible that doesn't mention God, Esther. And Esther's uncle, Mordecai, goes to her, now that she is the wife of the king, and Haman is plotting the extermination, the genocide of the Jewish people. And Mordecai is saying, "You need to use the position that you have, even if it." Now, keep in mind, she's queen because her predecessor violated social protocol and got executed. So there was an opening, all right. There's an opening for queen, okay, of Persia. Um, so this is not a position that typically comes with a lot of confidence and eternal security. Fair, mm-hmm. right? And her, yet, her uncle Mordecai goes to her and says. You have a responsibility. You're not there for no reason. You're there for such a time as this. Maybe you've heard that phrase, ban it about a lot. It comes from this exchange. But then it's a little bit like the book of Jeremiah. We're getting into grad. I say this every spring. We're getting into graduation season, right? How many Christian families are going to have at their kid's graduation? <clears throat> Jeremiah 29, 11. For I know the plans I have for you. Plans not to harm you, but to prosper you, to give you a hope, to give you a future. How many Christian kids are going to have that on their uh, as their life verse on their graduation party uh, invites? Except for almost all of them. You ever read, I wonder, do, have people read Jeremiah? What's his nickname? You guys remember what his nickname is? I want to get an invite with Jeremiah at the bottom of a well. Yes. That's what I want to get. A weeping prophet. <laughs> <laughs> okay. They throw Jeremiah in a well. The king finally takes him out and says, all right, clean him up. Get him a, get him a good steak, you know, kosher, of course. Get him a nice meal, because then he'll prophesy that we're going to make Israel great again and defeat this Nebuchadnezzar guy. They do all that. Give Nebuchadnezzar, or they give Jeremiah his meal, get him all cleaned up. And, he's, and, and he finally tells them what they want to hear. Is that what he does? Ha, ha, ha. No. 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 He says, you guys don't understand. You deserve this. You went into the valley, you threw your babies into the fire to Molech. God told you not to do that. You did that. Not to mention, look, we did nothing. The northern tribes already built their own separate altar away from Jerusalem, did not worship God the way that he wanted. We have this coming. Repent, and it will go well for us while we're in captivity. But the more we push back on this, the worse it'll be, and they and the people humbled themselves and said thank you. No, 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 no. no they uh, they. I don't know. Maybe I don't know what color hat they would have worn back then. They got their uh, nationalistic identity hat on. We're making Israel great again. I got my I got my uh, my sword rack in the back of my wagon, right? Whatever Second Amendment is in Hebrew. Okay. Yeah. Gonna stick it to this Nebuchadnezzar? No, they're not. Um, they all, almost all died in a siege. Ate their own poop. Drank their own pee. Actually, bargained with who was gonna kill their babies one day for food, and someone else, you know, promised they'd kill their kid the next day. It was an awful, awful scene. And after Nebuchadnezzar is done successfully laying siege, and laying siege, by the way, is is not a rated R film. It's not even an NC-17. It's things no human being should ever see. That's what laying siege meant in the ancient world. And then after he was done, he brought the king out, who refused to accept God's discipline and listen to Jeremiah, brought him out, including his sons, his wives, entire court, murdered them all right to his face, then plucked his eyes out so that would be the last thing he ever seen, and hauled him off to Babylon. That's how that story ends. But we're going to take, in the midst of Jeremiah's lamentations, we take this one verse out of context. And we make it the the graduation verse for the so many Christian high school kids. My goal this year, I keep I bring one of these years, people are gonna be like, "All right, man, finally you broke me." I didn't let my kid put that verse on his card. <laughs> okay. Um. Crap, I forgot the damn question, Aaron. What was it again? So I can double back on this. There was no
1: question. I mean, it was just kind of a common. Oh, the oh the
0: oh, the. You yeah. never know how things are going yeah. to work out, mm-hmm. right? So back to Esther. It's the next thing that Mordecai says to Esther we often forget. Because we quote the such a time as this. We take that out of context. Like it's on you. That's not what Mordecai is saying. Mordecai is not saying it's on Esther. Mordecai is not saying, all right, the sovereign God of the universe has this whole messianic line and plan, okay, to redeem the world through Israel. That he announced way back in Genesis 3 in the garden, like pre noahic flood, Thousands of a a couple thousand years ago. But this whole thing, though, is right. And believe me, they're waiting in heaven like bated breath. What's what's Esther going to do? They're just sitting there hoping that you choose the right thing. That's that he's not. It's not what he means, although that's how we often interpret that. Like this is writing on you. No, he then says to his niece, he says, but. If you do not do the right thing, salvation, what's the next sentence? Salvation will come to the Jews by another name. We might be reading the book of Mary, the book of Miriam, the book of Nancy, the book of Jill. I, mean, I don't know, you know. But, but this isn't riding on you. Because is your name Jehovah or Esther? Esther. It's not riding on you. And so, yeah, maybe I wouldn't have been here to do some of those things that helped you. So, God would have just had somebody else to them, because it's not about me. I'm you know, none of us are the hero of this story. There's one hero. His name is Jesus. There aren't any other heroes. Everybody else is at best a sidekick. Everybody else is at best Robin. There's only one hero. So what would have happened if things had changed? What would have happened if I had gotten hit by a car? God had been like, Well, I guess, I guess all the, I guess we're just going to tell less truth about COVID because what's his nuts got hit by a car in Des Moines, so we're screwed. Is that what God would have done? Mm. No, it's not about us. It's not on us. Take credit for literally nothing, and you'll be pretty close to how much credit you actually receive and are due and deserve because it's not about us. And I know I I can't speak for other people. I find that extremely encouraging because, mm-hmm. man, I suck, man. I'm screwed up. I'm feeling enough pressure knowing it's not about me, let alone making it about me. I mean, I, I don't know why we wouldn't be eager to take the pressure off of ourselves. It would have just the, the truths you learned the last few years on this show would have just come to you by another means because it's not about me. It's about him. But I don't, don't take that to mean, though, that I'm not grateful for the kind words. I am. I am. I just want to make sure that we, that we all recognize that talents are bestowed, not earned. A talent is something that was given to you. It is not something you've earned. Now, you can hone it into a skill, but talent is something that is given to you not earned next question
1: moving on to facebook submissions aaron frost asks for those of us that are new to the program what is the story of how aaron and todd came to be on the show hard to imagine the show without them thanks aaron checks in the mail
0: <laughs> I'm kind of surprised we haven't gotten this question more often, actually, but um, well, you were here you've been here about a year longer than, uh, than Aaron, right? I think so, roughly. roughly a year. And so when we first launched this show, when we left the comfy confines of WHO Radio and tried to do a, a national program, and somehow um, were able to convince uh, Phil Boyce, the head of programming at Salem, to be dumb enough to create a time slot for us. Um, we left at, when I left, I actually took with me the two women that worked with me on the show. One of them full-time, my producer, Rebecca, and another one who had a part-time spot on the show. Her name was Jennifer Green. And I took them with me, uh, on our national show. And Jen kind of, uh, she was very good, uh, very good friends with my wife. She kind of had the, the role that you play now, Todd, and Rebecca did the technical role that Aaron has now. And um, just as our Salem show was beginning to blow up, um, uh, Jen came to me uh, at the end of, uh, I want to say, 2013, 2014 and said, hey, I'm spending too much time away from home, man. You know, my kids are getting older. I got one shot to be a mom and, you know, doing a show from 9 p.m. to midnight every night and what it takes to plot that out to then come in and do it at night just gets in the way of that. So she stepped aside. So... I mean, I, I, I grew to really rely on her wisdom and as a woman, she saw things differently than me. So I, um, at times while sharing a lot of commonality of worldview and there is wisdom after all in a multitude of counsel. So I started thinking to myself, whom could I trust on that level that also would not be afraid to say you're wrong, but also may bring a perspective to the table that I don't have while sharing a commonality of worldview. And so I thought of you, I thought of Todd. He's Catholic, I'm not. Um, But we have known each other and been friends for many years. So there is a certain level of trust there. So he brings a perspective on things maybe I don't have because it is broadcasting. So we are trying to reach the broadest audience we can without completely compromising our core values. And I wanted someone whose wisdom I could trust there to, uh, to tell me when I'm wrong. And so that's how you got this gig. And then I tried to talk you out of it, remember, because I warned you. You were so, people didn't know, don't remember what Todd was like in 20, 2014, 2015. So bright-eyed, so idealistic. Not the guy doing shots of vinegar for fun that you are now, okay? Not the broken vessel you see before yourselves now. All right, but I warned you, if you took this gig and you saw how the sausage was made, did I not warn you of this? You did. I, I did.
5: In my defense, I worked at the Des Moines Register, so I was already pretty broken.
0: There you go. And for Aaron, um, we um, got—Rebecca came to me about a year later and said, you know, I would kind of like to be a wife and a mom one day. Really hard to find a man, though, working 9 o'clock to midnight every single night. So, you know, I'm going to step aside. And um, I didn't have a clue that that Aaron was actually related to a family we knew well whose sister actually gave uh, our oldest daughter, Anastasia, her singing lessons when she was little. I did not know that. Um, I just um, was given a recommendation. I think it was by Rebecca or somebody. Hey, there's a young guy at uh, Northwestern Bible College in Minneapolis who may have some potential. And I went and listened to his on-air stuff. I didn't care about the technical stuff. You can train someone how to do that. Okay. What I wanted to know was because Rebecca was phenomenal on the air. And again, a perspective I don't have. I'm not a millennial. You know, I, there's things I, I, I you know, she'll have an idea of seeing things from a way I won't while sharing a common value system. So I wanted to see what Aaron was like on the air. I thought there was a lot of potential there. You can train someone how to push buttons and do all that other stuff. And um, I only called and interviewed one person for the job. And it was him. And he ended up taking the job. And I found out after the fact who, you know, McIntyre's not an uncommon name okay so I found out after the fact that you were part of those McIntyres I did not know it when I offered you the job actually and huh. so that is uh, that's the the story of, of whence sh- the both of you came do you guys want to add the, any to that
1: the funny part at least about the Rebecca and I we just swapped jobs yeah, she we yes. really just yeah. she took my old position as morning show producer up at the Faith Radio Network in, in the Twin Cities and I took her position down here so we just basically swapped yeah. lives Yeah, yeah.
5: Because you and I knew each other for more than a
0: decade right before i came to work for the right yeah so that's how they got here and i had not been able to get rid of them since so but we're working on that coattails maybe working coattails. on that working on that daily working on being annoying enough to drive them away daily we'll come back with more of your questions for an ask me anything here next More Americans, the good news is, are looking for a parallel economy, looking for options as opposed to giving money directly to people who hate us. The bad news is there's not a lot of those options. Uh, It's almost impossible today to avoid doing business with at least somebody who hates you, which is why when an option presents itself, and it just so happens to be with a product we all pretty much have to use these days in modern society, like our mobile phone, take full advantage of it with our friends over at Patriot Mobile, and now they can offer you, all three major carrier networks that you can switch at any time for free. You move somewhere and you're in one of those dead zones for one network and you need to switch, they'll do that for you. The dead zone might be your basement. I have buddies come over and play poker once a month for whatever reason. One of their net, their networks, they're all in one network. They can't get the network to work in the basement that works everywhere else. Regardless of what that uh, reason will be, the outstanding customer service team at Patriot Mobile will be there for you and you'll actually be able to understand what they say. So that's a plus two. Uh, make a... Uh, make the switch today you'll get a free activation with the offer code steve free activation with the offer code steve if you make the switch today at patriotmobilecom slash steve that's patriotmobile.com slash steve or call them at 878 patriot that's 878 patriot all right let's continue on with ask me anything aaron we now go to
1: laureen palmer who asks pick six people from past or present to reset our nation who would be your dream team
5: this is the amy question
0: Six people. Um the first two I pick are Jonathan Edwards and George Washington. I assume we're talking Americans, right? Right? Yeah. Yep. Because that's so like Paul's off the table. Okay. <laughs> right. All right. So if we're talking Americans, all right, I'm picking Jonathan Edwards and um George Washington. And I could pick a lot of other names for the other four, but those are my only two non-negotiables, and I'll explain why. We need some old-time religion, man.
5: Sinners in the hand of an angry God?
0: Yes, yeah. Okay. And you guys know... Just like I was telling you how frustrated I am that we take this one verse out of Jeremiah, an entire book where God is spanking his people savagely and they deserve every last lick. And we take the one verse where he's like, okay, now in the future, I'm going to build you back up. That's our one. That's our one. Forget the whole other book. It's one of the biggest books in the Bible. Forget the whole other book. Pick the one where God says something nice and let's put that on all our cards, right? That's how frustrated I am with that. Okay. Well, the opposite is true though too. Edwards gets taken out of context. So do the Puritans. First of all, you don't have a country if it's not for them. The Puritans are the pilgrims. They're the ones that got on that boat. No country without them, number one. Number two, The idea we have this idea that puritanical means prude. You guys ever read the letters Edwards wrote to his wife? How many kids they have, like 10, 11? How'd they have those kids? Play darts? Horseshoes? Where'd those 10, 11 kids come from? And do you think do you think Jonathan hit the target on all his wife and him and only had sex Those 11 times, and he hit the target all 11. That was it. They plotted it out. Of course not. Come on. We're not here without them. And we could use a man like that in our pulpits these these days. We don't have a lot. We have sweater-vested guy. That's what we have, sweater-vested guy in khakis who puts the BLM flag over the pulpit hoping that the spirit of death will pass over the church And has nothing to say while an entire Christian school in Vermont is excommunicated for daring to actually stand for sanity. That's what we have in our pulpits these days. So give me Jonathan Edwards. And some good old Great Awakening kind of stuff. And then give me George Washington. Real manhood. Valor. Bravery. Courage. Humility. Wisdom. I'm looking for examples to set. That's what I'm looking for examples. So I'd start with those two and then I'm open to, I'm open to negotiation and all kinds of the other four, you know, his religious views and I are not very similar, but as I've grown older, I have found myself more philosophically aligned with Thomas Jefferson, for example. So I'd be fine with having him there, but I need those two. I need a leader of men in the civic realm, and I need a real man in the church realm. A real man in the church realm, a leader of men in the civic realm. I'll start with those two, and we can all negotiate how to build out from there. Great question. Okay.
1: Next up, we go to Jeremy Thomas, who has another good question. He says, I have a chronic illness that I desperately want to be healed from. God has not healed me yet. When do I choose to be like the persistent widow in Luke 18, asking for justice, or the relentless neighbor in Luke 11, asking for bread versus accepting that his grace is sufficient, 2 Corinthians 12, for me and embrace my illness?
0: Jeremy, God bless you. I'm very sorry to hear that. I I think, however, philosophically and theologically, you're making a false choice. It's not an either or. It is an and also. There is absolutely nothing wrong in consistently and persistently, maybe even annoyingly, um, petitioning God for an outcome that you want. Provided that outcome in and of itself is not unholy, and obviously healing you of your disease would not be among them, right? Um, the faith comes, though, when we don't get the outcome we want. And the Lord giveth and the Lord taketh away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. It's not an either or. It's an and it also. My kids have asked me for many, many things over the years that I said no to. And it wasn't because what they were asking me was inherently bad. Sometimes they asked me for things that I thought were inherently bad. So I said no. Because even though they were cute and adorable, my wife is sending me all kinds of pictures today of what they looked like when they were younger, reminding me how cute they were. They were still sinners. And so they would ask for bad things. And so my answer would be no. Sometimes they asked me for good things. And my answer was still no, because I knew things they didn't know. And I was playing a larger calculus than just the moment. That's all they saw as a child. We're his children. That's all we see is a moment. We don't see a larger calculus at play. For example, there may be someone that you don't even know yet who doesn't who doesn't have faith is exile is 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 in exile is estranged from their heavenly father, and thinks there's no justice in the world because they did nothing to deserve the disease that they have that is terminal or chronic. And healing hasn't come. And yet they will see your perseverance and your willingness to stand in your faith in a similar circumstance. And that might spur them to come to faith on their own. Now your life has great meaning and purpose. Someone will be in heaven and can say that God used you to get them there. Maybe your life isn't pain-free. Maybe it's not convenient. Maybe it's not comfortable. But does it have meaning and purpose? Probably all the more because of those things. Probably all the more because of those things. So there is nothing wrong with petitioning, annoyingly so, your father, over and over and over again, for what on the surface appears to be a just outcome. As long as we understand that God's justice is, is beyond our outcomes and we trust in it regardless of the outcome itself.
1: Next, we go to Aaron Johnston. Since Vatican II, anathema. Why do I, what do I feel like I'm being set yeah. up here
0: right away already by you, Todd? No, People it's not. Freaking it really Catholics. Is. It isn't. Why do I feel like it, man? It isn't. For Lent, I want you to give up ambushing Protestants. Can you give that up for Lent it, next year, Todd? It,
5: it isn't. I promise. All right, go
1: ahead. Uh, Since Vatican... You're going to make me say this word again. Since Vatican II anathematizes people who Hmm. believe in salvation by grace alone through faith alone, and evangelicals believe in salvation by grace alone through faith alone, do you and Todd believe that each other will be condemned? This is a legitimate question, so not at all trying to be snarky. Love your show. (laughs)
5: I know. Isn't that a great question?
0: It's the ending is that, that's
3: that's you very guys appropriate bo- for this. Do you show. guys, yeah.
0: Do you guys are you guys trying to condemn <laughs> each other? And I'm not trying to be snarky. Love the show. That's that's as good as it yeah, gets. Right there. I know. Okay. So here is I can actually give a very quick answer to this question. Romans one seventeen, Luther said that was the verse that when he went to when he went to Rome and studied the Bible for the first time. Now he was already an Augustinian monk at this point. He was already an ordained monk at this point, Order of Augustine. Um, he had yet to study the Bible, however. And when he went to Rome and studied the Bible for the first time, he read Romans 1.17, and the just shall live by faith uh, or, and, and, or be justified by faith. And he, will tell, he wrote later that reading, that one verse is what sparked the entire Protestant Reformation. Okay. Now, here's the thing, though. I absolutely believe that is true. If I didn't believe that was true, then I'd be Catholic, okay? I absolutely believe that is true. But here's the thing, that Jesus says, you know a tree by its perfectly ordained systemic theology. So let's move on. We're good. We win. No, that's not what he said. What did he say? You know a tree by its fruit. Name me the person who has a perfectly ordained systemic theology. Give me a name. We're awful quiet because
5: yeah. there's only one in Protestantism, right?
0: <laughs> yes. how many are there over there on your side of yeah. the street? Exactly there isn't there isn't anybody. So therefore um, I believe that fruit is produced via justification by faith, Sola fide. That's how I believe that fruit gets produced. Ultimately he does not. otherwise he'd be a Protestant. So then the question becomes, ultimately, though, is there there fruit of faith and salvation in Todd's life or in mine? If the answer is yes, then we're brothers. If the answer is no, we're not. Do brothers fight? Do they argue? They do. Sometimes viciously so yet remain brothers nevertheless, correct? hmm Correct. That's my answer to the question.
1: We now go to Gail Yoder, who asks, Is there a place where Rise of the Fourth Reich and Nefarious meet? Hells, yeah! <laughs> Is there an understandable payoff for the individuals orchestrating a world takeover for someone else? I don't get it. I know it's just evil, But what could possibly be so wonderfully, uh, personally, that would cause participation in such horrible results? Uh, Do I not get it because I'm a Christian?
0: Yes. You answered your own point. Yeah. You don't, that's why you don't get it. You have a different wiring, a different framework. That's why you
5: also don't negotiate with it or try to meet it halfway. Two men
0: enter, one men leave on this. What 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 is uncommon in world history, Gail, is your perspective. Mm-hmm. What is not uncommon is the perspective of all those who inflicted COVID, Stan, and rise of the Fourth Reich on us, or any of the other Reichs or any of the other tyrannies. That's not uncommon in human history. What is uncommon is a remnant of people who recognize what it is and refuse to participate in it, um, or even to oppose it. That's what's uncommon. What's not uncommon is participating in it, going along to get along. Well, I mean, that's what everybody's doing. All these people, all the experts can't be wrong. That's not what's, that's very common. There isn't, there isn't a singular villain in all of human history that didn't think they were on the side of light, that they weren't themselves right. That's where their own conviction comes from. So you answered your own question there at the end. Yes, you don't see it because you are operating from a different manual. You have a different uh, source code than the vast majority of the world has.
5: Aaron, I think there's like four movie-related questions. You should try to speed round those.
0: Yes. Okay. Uh, this
1: one actually is very important, I think. Uh, Julie uh, Tychison says... I'm super excited because I have ignited a desperate interest in a handful of young men in my office to see nefarious. I'm aware it may lead to questions aimed at me in the aftermath of their response without spoiling the movie content. How can I best prepare myself with tools and readiness for a helpful response?
0: Excellent question. Be ready to respond to questions about truth, where it comes from, how we know what is true and the the value and dignity and worth of human life. And I'll leave it at that
1: this next one I love, and I think you will too. Jimbo Live says, is it a violation of the dude code that I post on the Pope's Exorcist movie site <laughs> dozens of times a day for people to see nefarious?
0: <laughs> that is so sufficiently petty and snotty that that is about as dude as it actually gets actually. So no, that, that's like a you got like a weeow badge for <laughs> dudeness for that. Thank you. Yes
1: randy Dom says steve will you have a list and locations of where the movie will be playing getting excited
0: yes um march 31st or april 1st that's why these next few days are so crucial a lot of these theaters are coming down to the wire because there is so much competition for screens right now man it, it's friggin' lord of the flies guys it is a battle royale right now all right and like Bobby the Brain Heenan's throwing steel chairs into the ring, okay, and Captain Lou Albano snuck in razor blades. I mean, it is it is vicious right now in the ring for movie screens, and a lot of that's going to get determined between now and this Friday. But yes, um, I should be able to be back here uh, on Monday, if not sooner than that, on our website, whoisnefarious.com, with a final list of theaters for the opening on April the 14th.
1: Julie Nappin says, saw your trailer today in the theater at an AMC in Plymouth meeting, Pennsylvania. I was so excited to see it on a big tr- screen. I had my 12-year-old with me and he was open-mouthed during the whole trailer. <laughs> he says he wants to see it. What say you for a 12-year-old to see your movie, yay or nay?
0: I would think that's right on the cutoff depending on how mature they are. And it's not, uh, it, it's, it's, it's not that the, there's going to be, there's no nudity. I don't even think there's a four-letter word in the film. Uh, no gore. It's just going to be the, the, the level of dialogue and the acknowledgement of real evil will be very intense and not held back. And so, you know, for me, I made sure. Here's how I'd put it. Would you let your kid read the book? And you know your kid better than me. If you think your kid is ready to read the book, then they're ready to see the movie. All our kids, they had to be like in at least eighth grade You know, Anna was a little more mature as the oldest. I let her read it at 12. Her siblings couldn't read it till they were 13 or 14 years old. So you guys know your kids better than me. So it really comes down to, would you let them read the book? If the answer is yes, then they're ready to see the movie. If no, then they're not ready yet.
1: Finally, this—this this is not movie-related. Tom Tuttle says, "Steve, why oh why has the Blaze not produced a weekly conservative sports show with the hosts Steve Dace, Jason Whitlock, and Stu Bergwire? That would be the best thing ever."
0: Well, we tried doing that with me and Kurt Schilling. Remember a few years ago? Some of you may not be aware of that or remember. Or did that was that was was that still on the Blaze when what? we merged? Because it started on CRTV, Schilling? right? The sh- this show with
1: Schilling. Yeah, I think. Yeah, no, that was. That was with the Blaze, I believe. Okay, all
0: right. So we tried that a few years ago, and it just never took off. Um, Obviously, the platform's a lot bigger than it was a few years ago, so maybe now it would. Um, You have to also consider, though, You know, Whitlock's in Nashville. I'm in uh, Iowa. Stu is in Dallas, so trying to coordinate all of that and everything else. But weekly, we could probably make it work. I'd, I'd be open to it, especially if the check clears. We're not a nonprofit around here. All right, we're to stick around and do overtime. We have a very special guest, Jenny Beth Martin from Tea Party Patriots is going to join us for that. For Blaze TV subscribers, for the rest of you, we'll see you tomorrow, noon to 2 Eastern, right after Glenn Beck, right here on Blaze TV. Until then, John 317. This is Steve Dace. On the Blaze Radio Network.